Welcome, my love, to The Collective. The Collective is you, it is me, it is every woman. Raising the vibration of the fucking planet as we show up, step up, and serve the purpose we were put here for. My name is Taylor Ray. I am the queen of blending the woo with the work, and I'm going to show you how to do just that. I'm an entrepreneur, podcaster, speaker, and spiritual business mentor, and I help visionary women just like you build online businesses so they can have the impact they are here for and call in the abundance they are so worthy of. Get ready to become unapologetic, abundant, and aligned as fuck because the universe has put you here in divine timing and you're exactly where you're meant to be. Hello, my love, and welcome back to another episode of The Collective Podcast. I'm so excited to be here with you, where today I am sitting down with Amy Rushworth, and we are talking all about igniting confidence and breaking those self-sabotaging patterns. Amy is one of London's leading speakers on personal development, spirituality, and wellness. As a multi-certified transformation and healing mentor, light worker, and confidence expert, Amy is devoted to helping others ignite, awaken, expand, and open up to the lives of their wildest dreams. As a highly experienced practitioner in metaphysical energy work, meditation, breath work, and emotional healing, Amy shows us how to integrate all parts of your sensual, physical, financial, shadow, and soulful self to really love every part of who you are. I'm super excited to share this episode with you today where we are talking about what it means to find alignment and how to actually raise your vibration. We talk about the four-step process for igniting confidence as well as the power of recognizing trauma and how to actually release it. We talk about how to break self-sabotaging patterns and one of my favorite parts of this interview is when we really dive into harmonizing the masculine and the feminine energies for more success in all areas of your life. I love Amy's take on it. I really believe she is such a beautiful light and I feel like there is something inside of this episode for everyone. So I'm super excited to dive into this with you. As you're listening, make sure you do screenshot your favorite parts and share them with me over on Instagram at TayRayOfficial. I'm super excited to hear what you love most about this episode. Amy Love, welcome to The Collective Podcast. So excited to have you and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I honestly feel like this is going to be a wonderful conversation already with what we were saying off air and all of the things that I know that you're just going to bring, the light that you're going to bring. You have a beautiful approach to the way that you handle things and what you teach people. And I'm really excited to share your light here on the podcast. But for those that don't know you, tell us a little bit about what it is that you do. Sure. So I am a transformation and healing mentor, a light worker and a bit of a confidence expert, I guess. That's kind of what people know me for. I'm a Leo as well, in case anyone's into star signs, Virgo rising, Taurus moon. It's Taurus season right now, so I'm enjoying myself. Um, But at the essence of what I do, I'm devoted to helping women to ignite, awaken and expand to the life of their wildest dreams. Um, That sounds all really positive, but as I was kind of saying to you off air, what this requires is often deep holistic healing and going through shadow work. So going through the victimhood and fear and scarcity circuits that are within your subconscious mind and embedded in your nervous system so that you can transcend those things and fully reclaim self-confidence at your core, abundance, pleasure, purpose, and get really crystal clear clarity on what you want because often what we want or what we put on our vision board or what we think are our dreams or our goals 
actually come from our conditioning and our limiting beliefs. And we create those goals because we have this underlying belief that we're not good enough. So when you move through those beliefs, when you recreate those beliefs for more empowering ones, not only in the mind, which is what a lot of coaches do, but on every level, in your primal mind, in your subconscious mind, in your body so that you feel it as a frequency and you walk with the frequency, you talk with the frequency, that's when you can get clear on what you want and it's a lot easier to take action and to manifest what you want when you're in alignment for those dreams. So it's deep work. Um, I combine intuition, energy, psychology, a lot of spirituality as well to uncover these deep roots of the inner critic um, and to disown those circuits in the subconscious mind so that you can be truly powerful. And Mm. it's not always easy, as I've said, you know, like it involves the light and the dark, um, but the integration of both gives you the most amazing healing and the most amazing life. So that's in a nutshell what I do. I do that through one-to-one mentorship, retreats, my podcast, um, and my online programs like the Make Your Magic Academy. Amazing. I love that. And I really want to dive a little bit deeper into what you were saying there and to really just unpack it a bit, because I think it can be really easy for words to be, you know, thrown around in the industry and with manifesting and everything like that around like embodying the frequency and stepping into alignment. And I know that one of the biggest questions that I've got in around that is like, how do you find alignment? Like, how do you know if you're acting intuitively or if you are stepping into a version of ego and, you know, we've all got voices that come up and tell us what to do, but how do we know which one's guiding us? So I'd really love for you to go a little bit deeper on the frequency side of things and what it really means to actually find that alignment. Yeah. So frequency is embodiment, like, and even that word embodiment, there's the word body in it, right? So if we're just doing talk therapy, for example, or just talking to a coach. We're using the conscious level of the mind, but anyone who's struggled with anxiety or comparison or like mental health issues as I have will know that it doesn't matter what your conscious mind says because consciously you know often that you're being illogical when you're triggered. Like when you're comparing yourself or you feel shit about yourself and you're saying nasty things to yourself in the mirror, logically consciously you probably have a voice especially if you follow positive people that will say why are you doing this to yourself like you wouldn't say this to your best friend but it doesn't take away the feeling of self-criticism and self-loathing that you feel physically in the body so this is why it's that word feelings right like we feel them in the body and if you start to pay attention when you do feel emotionally disturbed or emotionally triggered, you'll feel it in your body as a kinesthetic sensation. Like it will show up in your gut or in your throat, you know, like a lump in your throat or a headache even. And that's because that that trauma response, which we go into, which is like, you know, where we feel upset or we want to fight or fly or freeze or fawn, it's embedded in our nervous system. Our body remembers So for anyone who's kind of new to this and wants to understand on a deeper level, there's a really good book called The Body Keeps the Score. And this talks about how trauma sits in the body. So it's a really good one to read if you want to kind of take something away from the podcast and learn a little bit more. Um, We also carry uh, inherited family trauma as well. So sometimes we carry things that aren't even ours. I just did a podcast episode on this with a guy called 
Mark Wallin, and he talks about how we literally in our DNA hold on to trauma responses. So if you have a family member that has witnessed something or been in a war or had a loss or a death or something that's traumatic and they don't talk about it and they don't integrate it, it can actually pass down the DNA to you. So this is why doing the deeper work on multiple levels in a holistic way is super important because what works for one person won't even scrape the surface for another person. Talking about it with your conscious mind is not hitting those levels, um, the deeper layers of the mind that have that inner child um, encoding, have that embedded encoding from trauma. And it can be from really simple things too. Like people often meet me and say, oh, well, you know what? I had quite a good childhood and then I'll start talking to them. And it turns out like there's a lot of trauma there and they've never identified that as trauma or it's been a longer term trauma where it's um, a mother who is not emotionally available, but puts food on the table and you know, does their laundry and is always doing all of that stuff, but is never emotionally available to hold space for them. And that's traumatic for someone. So um, going into the shadow work is the sticky part of this work. And it's the part that sometimes surprises people when they come and work with me. It's around session four. It always happens. And I prepare myself when you suddenly get this hyper intensive awareness of all of this stuff going on under the surface you've brought it up but you haven't yet integrated the tools and techniques to really transform it and so it feels almost more overwhelming in that in that moment but as you sit with that stuff as you integrate all parts of who you are the traumatized you the inner child the sensual you the physical you the stuff that you have around money your shadow self your soul as you integrate all of that that's when we start to feel good enough and that's when we start to feel whole because we are embracing and loving every part of ourselves rather than only loving the parts that we deem acceptable that we're conditioned to think are worthy of celebration and rejecting all of these other parts of ourselves that we don't deem as lovable and worthy. I love that. And I got chills at like certain moments as you were speaking, because honestly, so much of what you say, like it doesn't, as you said, it doesn't necessarily get addressed and it isn't always the work that we want to do because it might not look as like, fun and frivolous and sexy to do because you are going there and you are going deep. But that is obviously, you know, it's why I wanted to have you on the podcast because I do love the work that you do here. And I feel like it's really important that people do start to understand that other side of things in order to then be able to up level other areas of their life. For those that are listening and are maybe hearing this and potentially feeling a little bit themselves potentially triggered, or uh, maybe they've started to look into this sort of side of work and they feel a little bit scared or a little bit fearful around like, well, do I really want to go there? Like, I know I've got people in my life who there's things that have definitely gone on for them on a personal level and their way of dealing with it is, Taylor, I put it in a box and I don't want to think about it ever again. Like, it's all a lot of little boxes are just stacked up really neatly on my mind. That's the end of that. I don't want to talk about it. And that's how this person who's very close to me deals with it. Um, and for anyone who is listening and feeling a little bit like that and has things coming up going, oh shit, like I know that there's things in my past that I've really just been pushing aside and they're feeling a bit nervous. What would you say to them? Like, how would you help them to move through that? Well, first of all, you can't blame and disown that part of yourself either. Like if you're an avoider, 
you learned that like, and you learned that to survive. So in essence, we can be almost grateful for that. You know, for me, I had PTSD uh, and, you know, it really came to a head in my early twenties and I was like a disassociator. So for me to survive sexual abuse and, you know, being in the midst of emotional abuse as a child, I disassociated. So I couldn't feel anything. And it was brilliant, right? I got to survive that and I was a high achiever and I was thriving. But what happened was I did get to this point in my life where I really knew on some level without consciously knowing, but I, you know, I could feel on some level that it wasn't working for me anymore because I was uh, engaging in destructive behaviors at that point, you know, and disassociating from the effects of that, but they were becoming obvious because they were manifesting in health issues and things in my body. Mm. So if you are someone who avoids or you're afraid to open Pandora's box, which is like what a lot of people say to me when they come, they kind of go back and forth of whether they're going to join my program or come and see me. And they, they come back and forth 10 times and, you know, have a lot of compassion for them because they're fighting with that encoding and that encoding wants to protect you. But you as the adult have to take ownership if you want, like if you're not ready, then that's okay as well. But if you know somewhere in your heart or if you meditate and sort of call on the part of you that is the wisest part of you or call on that 80-year-old version of you who's looking back on your life, like what do you know in your heart and your core is going to be the most amazing thing for you in this life? Like do you want to live fully expressed or do you want to live in this compartmentalized space? And for some people they do want to stay in that box and that's how they've incarnated in this lifetime and that's their karmic lesson. And if they don't get it, they'll get it in the next lifetime. So that's okay. Um, But if you are ready or a part of you feels like, you know what, maybe there's something more. And I remember that's how I felt at my rock bottom. I was like suicidal, but I remember thinking like, there's got to be something more than this. Like there's got to be something outside of this place that I'm in, this life that I'm in, then start to just be curious. You know, you don't have to throw yourself in the deep end. You don't have to go to a really intensive seminar right off the bat, unless you need a quantum leap. Some people do. Um, You know, just start asking questions. If you've got a spiritual friend or a friend who does personal development, like just start to ask them questions. They'll probably love to tell you stuff. Mm. Um, Start to read books, start to Um, you know, look at the different options that you've never looked at. And when you're ready, like follow those breadcrumbs, they'll lead you to where you want to go and you can do it at your own pace. You don't have to do it at anyone else's pace. You can do it at your own. But being triggered by something, if anyone's triggered by what I'm saying, is not an inherently bad thing. It means that something is being unearthed inside of you that might like to be healed. Mm, yes that is a very powerful statement that last one there is like sometimes it's the thing that needs you to give it the most love and the most attention and sometimes we need to actually listen to that I love that you are so open in your journey and obviously you touched on it a little bit with the PTSD and having suicidal thoughts but I'd love for you to uh, give us a little bit more of an insight into what your journey's been like and how you've gotten to this point where now you help other people to move through things like this it's such a weird one because I sometimes think of my 
like 22, 23-year-old self and <laughs> she would just be like, oh, my God, who are you? <laughs> I've had a total uh, like 180. Uh, my personality's changed. Like I'm a totally different person, I feel. But interestingly, like my family says to me, Amy, you're how you were when you were a little girl. Oh, wow. Which is interesting. Um, and that, that's what trauma will do because, you know, I had traumatic experiences um, early on, but my major one at 11. And your personality does splinter off. You know, you can splinter off when you have trauma. So I feel like I've integrated and I've come home to my real self. But uh, how this started was I uh, found myself in a really dark place in my early 20s. So I kind of looked like I had it all together. This was my thing. I was like a high achieving self-destructor. So I had this fancy job in the fashion industry. Everyone couldn't believe I had this job because it was really hard to like find an amazing job straight out of uni. And I lived at Bondi in Sydney and I, you know, would always have fancy clothes and like my life ticked the boxes on the outside, but I was out of control. I was super self-destructive. Um, I would, I would just drink to the point of blackout like all the time. And I almost think that that's quite socially acceptable in some um, places, like even in Australia. Mm -hmm. Um, So no one really said anything to me, Uh, but I would literally like blackout every single weekend. I started using drugs. I had really bad patterns in relationships. My self-worth was really bad. I used to kind of like abuse food and exercise and um, smoking a lot. Like I would smoke you know, sometimes two packets of cigarettes a day, even when I had like a chest infection, I would do that. Like I was self-harming through my own behavior. Like there is no reason you need to smoke two packets of cigarettes when you have a chest infection and you're on antibiotics. Like it, it was, I was hurting myself, you know? So, um, it's funny though, when you're in these, uh, situations and I speak to some of my friends who are the same, like you don't always realize how bad it is until you look back. But I was in this situation and I had no self-worth. My behaviors were spiraling. They were getting worse and it was starting to affect my work. I started to have panic attacks at work and um, I had one when I was driving one day that was really scary. And then it basically all came to this rock bottom because I ended up with pneumonia And I was going through a really bad breakup at the time. I had like a fallout of a friendship going on at the same time because of that. And I was just so, so, so stressed and so alone. I was at home with pneumonia. I didn't live in the same state as my family. I didn't really have any true friends because they were all party friends, fashion friends. And um, I just remember I felt like the most alone I've ever felt in my life. That was like my real rock bottom dark night of the soul. And I started to ask questions. I started to ask myself and I started to self-soothe myself and start to think like, okay, you know what? It's me and you. Like, this is all we have. This is all we need. What are we going to do to, um, you know, pull ourselves up? What are we going to do to get through this and to find out what else there is to life? Like, what else is there from this? Because I didn't know anything else other than like dieting, going out, drinking two bottles of rosé before you go out, like trying to find a guy to hook up with, go to work, talk about your clothes and, um, you know, 
gossip about other people. Like that was just my life. So I started to read. I started to learn about manifestation. Did have one really good friend at the time who was amazing. And she was teaching me about law of attraction and she taught me how to make my first vision board. And from there, I started slowly piecing everything together. I started getting my life back on track. I was in therapy at the time. It was a really big step for me to reach out for help. I really didn't want to. I was always someone who was like, I'll deal with stuff myself, trauma response. I'll deal with stuff myself. Um, So I did get into therapy though. And that's when I was diagnosed with my PTSD and a lot of my behaviors started to make sense to me. Um, And I kept going through these radical changes. I stopped drinking alcohol. I stopped taking drugs. I stopped smoking. I stopped um, abusing food and I moved overseas. I quit my fashion career and I started to build my business. And it kind of came to me like a lightning bolt when I was sitting in my London apartment. I sort of thought I had a job lined up here in the fashion industry and it fell through in a bit of a messy, um, crazy way. So that was my moment of, okay, do you know what? Like I'm in a foreign country. I don't have like the money to pay my next rent. I don't really want to work in this industry anymore. What do I want to create? And that's where it was born from. What a story. That's honestly, it's incredible to hear that and to see like the 180 that you've done in your life. And like you said, that your family said, like you've come back to your roots and you've come back to who you were. Um, yeah, honestly, it's it's always so interesting to hear those sort of stories and to hear those rock bottom moments. And, you know, I definitely have one as well. And those that have listened for a long time know it very well. Um, but ultimately, don't you reckon that like everybody's got that turning point in their life? Everyone's sort of got that moment where suddenly it's like, okay, we need to make a change. And I love how you referenced yourself there where you're like, it's me and you like, and I feel like I really resonate with that too. Where you're like, suddenly you're like, okay, I've just realized like all I can control is what's going on with me. The external is going to be a reflection of that. So for those that are potentially in that position and want to start taking some of those steps, and I'd love to dive a little bit into what that shadow work looks like and some of the steps that they could take on their own. What would that be? I think it's like starting to catch yourself in behaviors that you know are not behaviors coming from your most loving, wise, compassionate self. So for me, like when I had that moment, full disclosure, I was sitting in my bathtub at about 9am with a glass of red wine crying. Like that's, that's when I had that moment of like, this is not okay. Like, um, This is not me coming from my most compassionate self. This is not how I would take care of my daughter. Like if I had a daughter, this is not how I would nurture her. So how am I going to nurture myself back to life essentially? And I think a really huge part of my healing process has been radical vulnerability and self-acceptance. So when I say radical vulnerability, like in the initial stages, when you're first kind of coming out of what you're going through, you don't really want to be vulnerable. Like as you were saying, like you don't want to open the box. Usually we're very scared of being vulnerable because our whole personality and all of our behaviors and patterns are rigged against that. They're there, they're there to protect us from being vulnerable because we see that as bad. We see that as the portal to feeling pain, right? Or being laughed at or being judged. So for me, I had to take a couple of quantum leaps 
to really put myself into radical vulnerability. I went to various things like seminars where you kind of have to get up and speak and share things and they like force you to call people in your life and like have these really direct and raw conversations. Like when I did that, I got up in front of a room of 200 people and like shared about traumatic experience I'd never been able to share about. And it was like a really pivotal moment in my healing. Um, And in the podcast that I mentioned that I did with Mark Wallin, and I was asking him, how do we heal trauma? And he's a a psychiatrist who specializes in trauma. He was saying, you have to integrate a new positive experience that breaks a pattern. And for me, at that point, I never shared about this trauma. And my throat, my throat chakra was what was blocked. Um, I had like a violent um, incident to my throat as well. And then I couldn't talk about it. So getting up and sharing in front of a room of 200 people about how angry I was and how um, sad I was for my younger self and being met with 200 people who were crying and compassionate and like all hugged me after completely changed the trajectory of my life after that. Mm-hmm. Like, and I never would have thought that I would go to that seminar and get up and say that. Like I wanted to go to the seminar and sit in the back row and just kind of take notes and like get my inspiration from everyone else who was brave enough to get up. But in that moment, I was like, you know what? I'm going to put my hand up. I'm going to be radically vulnerable. And I did. And it was one of the best things that I've ever done. So I think, like I was saying before, you have to take things at your own pace. Like you don't want to put yourself in a position, especially if you have PTSD or mental illness, where you're purposely causing yourself harm by being triggered all the time, right? Because that word trigger is thrown around a lot, but it's actually, you know, like a serious word attached to PTSD. But every now and then, as you build your strength, ask yourself, like, what is that? container that I can put myself in that's going to allow me to open up to a new way or integrate a new experience that's going to help me to self-regulate and soothe this inner child who never got to do that. Mm. Um, So what I always say to people is like create safe spaces for yourself where you can reintegrate the experience. So I'll give you an example. Say you're someone who growing up, you grow up around violence or parents who argue all the time. And in that moment, what you do is you go and you hide in your room and you hide under the bed and maybe you hide under the bed and like eat some food, right? Mm -hmm. As an adult, what might happen is that anything that is reminiscent of that can trigger you and you think that you're reacting to what's happening in front of you like you think you're reacting to someone who's arguing with you or you think you're reacting to people arguing around you and you then go home from work after you've seen that and you stay quiet you don't say anything you start binge eating and you just think that it's a pattern that you have But actually, if you think about it, that inner child in you just reenacts the same pattern because it's like, oh, this is how I survived this situation and things turn out okay. Mm. But if you find that that pattern is no longer serving you, which many people do when they come to me, you can then say, okay, well, what was my response? Your response was to fly, right? To the flight response, to fly away, to hide, to withdraw. So then in that situation, you say, how can I recreate a safe space a ritual space for me to take an unfamiliar response 
rather than engaging in the reaction. So that could be you might do an anger release in your room when that happens. You might speak your truth in that moment, set a boundary if somebody's arguing with you or around you and say, I'm not comfortable for this. I'm not able to hold space for this. The way you're speaking to me right now is not good for my health, so I'm going to take a step back. Even if then you walk away, you've reintegrated a new response by speaking your truth. Um, And so creating safe spaces for this is really important. And sometimes the best ways to do that is when you are um, being held by a mentor or a coach or someone who can guide you through that process, because it can be very confronting when you start to engage in these new patterns. Um, It's very disturbing for your nervous system. Um, The alarm bells go off, the amygdala goes off and Um, We have to self-soothe and self-regulate ourselves through that process. Mm -hmm. But on the other side, you get a whole new reaction and a whole new lens of life. As long as you keep repeating the healthy, empowering new routine, you integrate a new pattern. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to ask you next, which was, you know, what happens on the other side of this? Like once you go through and do this sort of work, like what's possible? And maybe if there's an example that you have of a client that you've worked with and how it's helped them to actually, you know, step into that new version of themselves. Yeah, for sure. Like some of the things that people believe will be lifelong problems for them or like the lifelong inner critic in their head that says things that just simply is not true. There have been things that have been crippling beliefs that I've had about myself that I don't even think about. Like, for example, I used to be really critical of my body. And I look back now and I look at photos and I remember thinking back then that I was fat. And I look and I'm like, you're literally the skinniest little bean pole I've ever seen. So in that, you know, like, okay, your mind actually plays loads of tricks on you. Like that was not reality, but it felt like it at the time. So whereas now, like I've been in self-isolation in London for the last like seven or eight weeks and I was a little bit sick and I usually work out every day and I really just haven't been working out. My energy is low because I'm inside. I'm just not really feeling it. And I've gained quite a bit of weight since I've been in isolation. And I just kind of look in the mirror and I just like go, cool, sweet. (laughs) You know, I touch my tummy after I eat. I'm like, I love you, you know, and that would never have been possible for me like five years ago. You know, many of my clients have the same thing where they believe deep in their core that they're not worthy of love. They believe that they will never get the things they want. They believe that they're not good enough. They believe that they're stupid. They believe that they're not beautiful. All of those things. And many of them don't carry those beliefs anymore. Some of them, you know, actually then step into careers. A lot of my clients end up starting businesses um, after they work with me. Um, A lot of them step into new businesses or careers, sometimes that are the polar opposite of what they did before because they have new belief systems that empower them to do that. Mm. And it's interesting, right? Because people think, oh, my reality will create my happiness. And to some extent that's true, but only because your beliefs create your reality and then your reality reinforces your beliefs. Because if you believe you're not good enough, your emotions come from that frequency of I'm not good enough. I'm shit. Like, who wants me? Who wants to hear from me? 
then that creates all your thoughts and your inner critic that creates your decisions because you don't show up fully and abundantly and amazingly when you feel like you're worthless. And then your reality reflects that because you're never in any situations that would prove otherwise. So changing the beliefs hugely influences everything from your relationships, even like your ability to have like pleasure in your body, orgasms and stuff. Like a lot of women can't orgasm because they have so many limiting beliefs in them, in their nervous system. They can't physically feel pleasure because of that. So interestingly, like all of these things can shift. Even your relationship with money shifts. Like women have a massive change with their money mindset after they've worked with me and their abundance and what flows in because our beliefs create a reality. So if your reality doesn't match what you want, start with the beliefs. Don't try and rearrange the pieces of the puzzle on the outside. Start with the beliefs. Yeah, that foundational piece is so important. And it's exactly what you said. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like literally like what you believe to be true, you will see, which then, like you said, reinforces what you believe to be true, which you'll then see. Like it's just one big cycle. So I love that piece of advice where it's like, as you said, break that pattern, like get into the belief systems and figure out how you can start to rewrite some of those. Like you said, from that place of safety and having people around you that support you, um, which is obviously going to ultimately create such a different reality for you, which I love. Um, something that you talk about a lot is um, the element of confidence and coming into a more confident version of you. And you have a four-step process for igniting this. I would love for you to share this because it is something I get a lot of DMs around this, um, you know, how to be more confident. And for me personally, like I'm someone that has gone through a massive transformation in the way that I show up as a person. And I know that where I used to be and how I allowed myself to show up. And like you said before, like even the goals that you have for yourself and what you think that you should quote unquote be doing with your life all does stem in my case from what I believed I was capable of and a lot of confidence based things. And so I know that where I was, a lot of that advice would have helped me a lot. And I know a lot of people will really benefit from that. So I would love for you to share it. Yeah, for sure. So step they they all start with a, so that you can remember them. Step one is authenticity. So it comes back to that piece that we were originally discussing around being really honest with yourself and saying, do you know what? These patterns, they keep me safe, but they're not working. Or being really honest, like I have all of these feelings that nobody in my life knows and I put them in a box and I hope they won't find out. Mm -hmm. So authenticity is about looking at where you've been pretending Where are you not being fully expressed? Where are you not being fully honest in your life and with yourself? And being really authentic and honest about like, what does that inner critic say to you? I get a lot of my clients to keep a diary and write down every negative thought that they have about themselves. And it's a really confronting exercise because, you know, we can have up to 80 to 100,000 thoughts a day supposedly 70 or 80 percent of them are negative for the most part and as you can imagine we're quite self-centered beings humans like we we do care about ourselves and we are the center of our own universe so you can imagine how many of those are going to be negative about yourself right so that's the first part and that's a really big step like that was the same step for me going oh my god this is not okay i am not okay i want to die I've got to be honest about this. I think I need some help, right? Pivotal turning, turning point for me. So that's step one. Step two is awareness. So it's like, what do you need to do to get really self-aware? Is it 
journaling every day? Is it meditating every day? You know, meditating is amazing because even if you think that you're a shit meditator, you're not because the act of sitting down and meditating is actually what makes the difference. It doesn't matter how many thoughts you have or how many times you go back to the same thoughts. It's about sitting in that space for yourself because it helps you to become the observer of the thoughts. Actually, if you feel frustrated by how many thoughts you're observing, you're doing a really good job because you're observing how many thoughts you're having. And yeah, you know, people give up because they think, oh, I should just be sitting here in silence. And it's like, no, you're sitting in observation and curiosity, right? Mm -hmm. Giving yourself space where you're switching off the visual and audible and um, kinesthetic distractions of your world. And you're just sitting in pure awareness of like, what actually goes on in here? Like what goes on in this head of mine? Wow. Oh, okay. And there's no filter, right? There's no distraction. So it's an amazing way of becoming aware and the observer, um, especially if you're having thoughts that are quite uncomfortable or critical because you're, you're observing what's there, right? So you can do the spring clean so that you can heal those things. And then potentially, you know, you get to a certain point, I think, where you've read books, you've taken all the free videos on YouTube you've had the conversations with your conscious friends, there gets a point where you do have to leap, where you do have to work with someone who's going to hold that space for you, whether that's like a group program or a coach, if that resonates for you. Maybe for some people it's a retreat. You know, if you feel like you're stuck in that personal development journey, that's when you need to take that leap because you don't know what you don't know, right? That person's going to help you to get aware using all of the amazing tools that they have to help you to do so. So that's the second step is awareness. Then it is alignment, which you touched on earlier as well. So what alignment really is, is getting into the frequency of the things uh, that you believe in, that you value, that you want to call in. You want to be the energetic match for those things. Let's put it this way, right? If you go out and you're a massive, like grumpy person, you're not going to attract nice people into your life because people who have high self-worth are not going to resonate with that. They're going to be like, okay, cool. I love you unconditionally, but like over here and stay yeah. away from me. <laughs> so, um, you know, or if you gossip all the time, you're going to feel shit about yourself because you're judging other people all the time. So by res- like by um, reciprocity, you're going to assume that other people do that to you, right? So we're going to judge other people, but then we're inherently judging ourselves and creating more like insecurity in ourselves, which is why, you know, I really just massively disagree with like consuming any media about, um, you know, like gossip and even reality TV, which people think is really innocent. And like, this isn't me like judging anyone who wants to watch that and just switch off. But keep in mind, like, what you consume in your mind is no different to what you would consume in terms of food and water. You would care about the air you're breathing. So what content are you consuming? Because that's also having an influence on your self-esteem and how aligned you are, or by contrast, how aligned you are not. Mm. So then from there, the, the easiest practical way to do this, and I do this in my online course, the Make Your Magic Academy in depth, is like get really clear on like what is your legacy for this life what do you want to be remembered for it won't be the things that you focus on all the time like so many of us especially women will focus on how we look or our achievements in our career 
or our relationships or whether we're engaged at the same time that everybody else is, like all of that stuff. But really, when you are 90 years old and you look back on your life, what would you love to be remembered for and what would you feel so honoured that other people thought of you as? And it will be things like that you were kind, that you were generous, that you were warm-hearted, that you always were available to listen, you know, that you were creative, you were inspiring, all of that stuff. And then start to think about, well, what in my life is not in alignment with these values, with this energy that I really want to embody? And be really radically honest about it. Like, where do you spend your time, your energy, and your money? And I actually get my clients to do an inventory of their calendars and bank accounts. And I say, where have you spent your money? Other than obviously like rent and stuff. Um, where do you spend your money? Is it on things that you really value? Or do you run out of money every month and then say you can't afford to do personal development because you're spending all your money on stuff that is not even registering as an important value of yours? Mm. This is how we start to get into alignment. And this isn't about being like super strict and disciplined with yourself because that's just the masculine energy trying to push and force. And I'm not necessarily about that. But how can you look at every single thing that you do, that you say, that you spend your time on, that you focus on as an investment in something? And are you investing in the life that you want to create? And this is a very like upsetting part for a lot of people um, when they start to do this inventory and then the last step is action and that action has to be the fourth step most people do it as the first step but the action as the fourth step is because you've gone through being authentic being super self-aware and then getting into alignment and the action helps to integrate the alignment because there's no point in us just going around in circles and talking about our feelings if you're not going to take a different action to integrate a new result. So the action coming from a pure awareness, from alignment, through knowing what you value, through really getting clear on who you are and who you want to be steers you tangibly in the direction that you want to go. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What an amazing framework. That is so good. And I'm, I'm all about the tangible steps and like, I love a good framework. It makes it very easy to be like, okay, cool. I can actionably do this. And it's something I talk about all the time is the power of action. And I love that that's your fourth step is like, you know, all of the inner work and everything is so important and it's so foundational, but pairing it with like, okay, how can I actionably take these changes and make the shifts in my life? so freaking good so i know that those listening will have gotten so much out of that so thank you very much for sharing that framework because i just love how it's it's very tangible to actually breaking down what it takes to become confident rather than just being like love yourself believe in yourself like you know be louder like it's like okay you can actually actually go through those steps so that's amazing and what you did talk about a little bit there as well there's a couple of things one is the side of things you know with investing in a mentor and a coach and it is something that you and I mentioned earlier is you know going through and doing that work can sometimes feel a little bit frustrating so I would love to talk about that as well as sort of just touching on what you were talking about with the masculine and the feminine energies and sometimes being a little bit gentle with yourself going through that process. So if you can touch on that, that would be amazing. Yeah, I think it's really unique for each person because some people are going to be too much in their unhealthy feminine and other women and probably the more vast majority of women that I work with are in their unhealthy masculine and then they kind of dip in and out of the unhealthy feminine. So 
let's just kind of break down what these are. So we all have masculine and feminine energy, whether you're a man, a woman, non-binary, whatever. We all have both, like a yin-yang, right? We live in a society that really values the masculine. Like you just have to really look outside for like a second and you can see it. So that's probably to do with the fact that we lived in a patriarchy for a long time. So even now you see the feminist movement and sometimes feminists are very masculine in their approach. They're very angry. They're forcing, they're pushing, right? So the masculine is typically about being linear, about being logical. It's about being in achievement. It's about breaking things down structurally, action steps. And, um, you know, you'll see this when, for example, say you're a woman and you want to vent to your partner and they immediately start going, how can we fix this? And you're like, no, I just want you to hear me out. Like, I don't need your like action steps. Um, so by contrast, the feminine is more about creativity. It's why we create babies. We have a womb space where we create blood, we create life, you know, we source our creativity from our sexual energy, from our sacral chakra. Uh, It's also about being less linear. It's more about being cyclical, um, which is why we are more affected by things like the moon and our period and our cycle. It's why we have ebbs and flows of energy. I mean, you have a lot less energy in your luteal phase. You actually have less brain function and you have way less performance in the gym because your body is getting ready to shed and you're in a uh, waning phase, Mm -hmm. um, the same way that the moon goes through a waning phase. So what we do in this society though, is like the, the culture definitely in Western culture is designed to like, uh, support and, uh, nurture the masculine, right? We go to work at the same time every day, unless you're like a business like you or I, where we just can do whatever we want. But we go to work from Monday to Friday, linear. We go to work at these hours. If you've got your period and you feel bad, you're still going to go to work. Like that's not an excuse, right? Um, our society values achievement and people who look like they're killing it, who have ticked boxes, who have like gotten to the next step and the next step and the next step, rather than if we were really um, celebrating and revering the feminine, we would recognize that we go through cycles. So we're going to go through cycles and chapters in our life where things feel rubbish, where things feel really dark, where they feel sticky, where they aren't like pushing ahead, where we're actually going within and we're retreating so that we can come out and thrive. The same way that nature goes through cycles if nature was always in summer, everything would be dead. So <laughs> we need the different ups and downs, the ebbs and the flows so that we can thrive and be creative. And that is what it means to really harmonize and empower your feminine energy is to recognize that your cycle is your asset. To recognize that taking a week off to go within and to not achieve is actually really beautiful and it makes you a lot more productive anyway in the week after your period. Um, but our society never taught us this. Like I was never taught this. I was taught about periods and how STDs can kill you and here's how to put a condom on, right? Like that was the extent of the biology that I was given. So when we talk about harmonizing these, what we're doing is we're talking about like how do we bring both of them together and leverage both of them, which is why sometimes I don't resonate with like the feminist movement because I feel like it's like the feminine trying to push their power over the masculine and the masculine is beautiful. Like 
it's beautiful Mm -hmm. to have think about this. Like it's beautiful when you're in an emotional moment as a woman to have your man come and like put his arms around you and say, do you know what? It's going to be okay. You just cry and I'm going to go sort this out for you Mm. when you're having a meltdown. That is amazing. Like so nourishing. And this is why we have that masculine and feminine energy. They love to dance together and the polarity is what creates the attraction. Mm. So If we want to harmonize these, I'm talking about harmonizing these within because we have this masculine within us. So what a lot of women do is they over amplify their masculine because they want to get ahead in this masculine world or they're afraid of the masculine. So they amplify their own. So if you had a father who was not available to you or a father figure, or you had a mum who was like super masculine and just always just like sort of telling you what to do and not really like holding you and nurturing you and letting you have your emotions like anger and sadness and stuff, you won't trust the masculine. So you amplify your own almost how like, you know, when you see an animal and it gets scared of you like a bear or something like that, and they get up on their hind legs and they try and make themselves bigger. Mm. It's like that. So women are amplifying their masculine and pushing, 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 pushing and operating in a linear way, rejecting their period, thinking that their period's a nuisance rather than a gift, thinking that being a woman is much harder than being a man. They're amplifying their own masculine, which works for a while, but what happens is we burn out because we don't have the same physiology as a man. We don't have the same um, response in our physiology to things like ongoing stress, ongoing pushing, forcing. And what happens is that we force and force and force and then we burn out or we fall apart or we have a bit of a breakdown. So harmonizing these is about looking at like, where does my masculine really serve me and where could I embrace more of my feminine side? So for me, how this looks like, because I think it's good to use examples, I am naturally a more sort of like masculine personality. So people wouldn't think that by looking at me because I have like super feminine like exterior, but that doesn't mean anything. I am a Leo, so I'm a fire sign. So like fire signs are more masculine. Um, I got ahead in my life by being someone who was like self-sufficient, who didn't ask for help, who didn't like burden other people with her staff who just kind of like achieved, achieved, achieved. And so even when I was in the midst of that rock bottom, I was still achieving, you know what I mean? I was still getting up and going to work and making sure I was getting promoted, even though I was like losing my mind on the weekend. So um, in that case, like I needed to bring in more of my feminine energy and go, you know what? This masculine energy is amazing because I've got my head in the game I know how to create results. I show up for things on time. Like I've got all of that sorted. But what I need a bit more of is self-compassion, is to remother myself, is to give myself unconditional love and positive regard. What I need is to slow down. What I need is to, instead of pushing in the gym and at work when I have my period, is to actually take time to rest to take time to just do things that don't need to be an achievement, like reading stuff just because it's fun, Mm. you know, playing, dancing, doing stuff that doesn't like, you know, tick a box but feels really nourishing within. Yeah. So 
part of this is like asking yourself, like, what are the masculine traits that I have that really serve me? But where can I kind of loosen the reins a little bit and embrace this emotional, creative, feminine side of myself? And when you harmonize them, you live more confidently because it's the same as like shadow and light. Like if you can sit in both and you're sweet, you feel good, nothing can stop you. Um, But it also allows you to balance your logical side with things like your intuition and your creativity, which is the power and magic of the feminine essence. Mm. Um, But a lot of women have forgotten about their intuition and can't hear it anymore because they're in their masculine too often. Mm. Honestly, like even as you were saying all of that, like, you described me up until 25 and like similar like relationship with my dad, like everything like that. And I have spoken about this on the podcast and like, for me, it was a burnout, like full burnout. So am I masculine? Like it, you literally described my whole story. So like, I just got chills when you were saying that, but what I love the most was that you said like the masculine is beautiful. Like the masculine is sacred because what I often see is that the feminine gets such a spotlight, which is beautiful as well. And it's so important. And of course, but like, it's almost like this, the masculine almost gets demonized. Like, oh, don't be any masculine. Like, and it's, I love that you just recognize that. Like, no, the masculine is also really important. It's about finding that beautiful harmony. So I love you for bringing light to that. That's amazing. I honestly feel like I could talk to you forever, but um, obviously we do have to wrap this up. So if there is one last thing that is on your heart to just share with our listeners, something that's coming through, what would it be? I think that the next wave of women's empowerment is coming through the lens of our sensuality and our sexuality. Like I'm so fired up and passionate about this at the moment. Connecting to your womb, connecting to your pussy, connecting to your sexual energy, your orgasm. Like if you have any body confidence stuff going on, do that work. Like that work will literally transform your relationship with your body completely. Tantra is tantra stuff is amazing. People think that it's just like looking at sex. Tantra is deep healing. It's a deep healing modality. Orgasm is just like a byproduct. Getting into alignment and being this energetic match for your desires as an empowered woman entering into this new earth that we're entering into after this COVID-19 scenario. Like being anchored in your sensual energy and your sexual energy is just the most empowering thing that I could tell you to do right now, it will transform your confidence. It will change your relationship with money. It will change your relationships with men or with women or whatever. It will literally revolutionize your life. Like it's so important. I think it's like the next thing that's coming as well. Like I think first it was kind of like meditation and mindfulness. At the moment, I feel like we're going into breath work, which is also amazing for this. Um, and then I think the next thing is going to be like the sexual liberation of women. So ride the wave. Yes. Oh my gosh. So here for that. That's amazing. Um, obviously there's going to be a lot that are going to want to connect with you post this episode. So where can they come and hang out with you online? Come see me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is this is Amy Rushworth. Uh, you can go to my website, amyrushworth.com, or my podcast, The Amy Rushworth Show. And um, I do retreats and programs and things. So come and check them out uh, or slide into my DMs anytime on Instagram. Love it. We will definitely put all that in the show notes so it's super easy as well. Amy, my love, thank you so much for coming on the show. You are such a light. I love having you here and being able to share this. So thank you so much. 
Thank you so much. Thanks for your lovely uh, like hosting energy and um, just being so so open to receiving everything. I really appreciate it. So thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in and hanging out with me in today's episode. Because you're a part of the collective, I know you're a visionary woman ready for more and I'm here to remind you that the world needs your light. If you love this episode or know somebody who would, please share it to your IG stories and tag me at TayRayOfficial. And if you want to show some love for the podcast, please head on over and leave a five-star review on iTunes and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss all of the magic coming here soon. For more support, check out the episode show notes, my courses, services, and digital products by heading over to taylorray.com.au. Big love, babe. And until then, go and shine that beautiful light. The world is waiting for you.